The scripture reading this morning is Psalm 23. Again, that is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Jonathan. Great to see everyone. You guys do sound good today. It wasn't last Sunday exciting. That was just great to be able to be here and to watch and see all the new mission things that are going on and how the gospel is being spread all over the world and to uh, hear some of the guys that are doing that. It's pretty amazing to see what God is able to do and also to see what you guys are able to do. They set a very big goal. You've probably read the bulletin already. $100,000 last Sunday. That's pretty amazing. So we were at 98.8. And somebody said, oh, I'll just give the rest of it. (laughs) So that's great. And that's just really what this congregation can do. And I find that just amazing. Just being able to be here and to worship with you guys and to watch what all happens and how God blesses. It is absolutely amazing. We've been wanting to talk about peace for some time. And so we've been trying to work toward talking about peace. If there's ever a passage in Scripture that describes the peace that we have without really using the word, it would be Psalm 23. And so for the next three weeks, I want to be able to look at Psalm 23 because it talks about three different things in here. And uh, the first one is talking about the shepherd and being the shepherd of my want. So the passage Jonathan has read to us includes this section. We are able to have this great peace because we have a shepherd. There is a shepherd who is there to take care of us. And we are able to follow him. He will lead us. He will be there for us. And the reason we need a shepherd, sorry, sheep are not smart. (laughs) I don't mean to insult you, but look at the rest of your life. I mean, really, do we need a shepherd or not? I I think we probably do need a shepherd at times to say, "Uh uh-uh, not there, go this way. At least I need a shepherd like that that says, nope, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. And so sometimes he has to kind of raise his voice. But I think most of the time he goes, nope, 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 come on. Let's go this direction. And it's really the way that God is and the way he is our shepherd. Because sheep don't appear to know where the water is. They don't do a lot of planning. They might know where water was, but... You know, grass gets eaten up and you don't know exactly where the next one's going to be. Shepherd knows where all the water is, where all the grass is, and which part's going to be growing and which part's going to be good. And so that's what he knows and where he understands. The sheep 
can't really take care of themselves. If a wolf or a lion comes, then they're in trouble. Their best thing is run away and hope they have thick wool. Uh, not very good defense, so there's a shepherd there who is able to defend them. And they just wander wherever they find good grass. And so they kind of get lost at times, and you look up and you notice everybody else is gone. The shepherd is there because he knows where things are. He's able to plan for them. He's able to do what's best for them. And he considers the need of the sheep, not his own need first. If you look at any of the pictures of shepherds, it's one guy with a bunch of sheep and nobody else around. And he's not dressed in fancy clothes. And he's not driving anything. Have you ever noticed that? It's not, okay, I'm in the truck. I mean, cows, you can go out and honk the horn and they'll all come. Sheep, I don't know. But it doesn't seem like sheep are going to be constantly there. The shepherd is constantly there. He's always following. He's always doing this. And so it's part of who he is. The sheep all need certain things and the shepherd knows what that is and he's able to guide them and do things. This phrase that he brings up is amazing to me. I shall not want. Well, yes, I do. Sorry, how how do we get to the I shall not want part? Because some people, I think, maybe are born with very small want. And some of us are born with huge want. I mean, it just seems like I want that. I want this. I want this. I want everything. Have you ever watched a kid go into a toy store? Which toy do they want? Well, which aisle are they in? I mean, that just depends. I want all of them. And if you think about it, the stores that we do have, they're not stores where you can go in and, okay, bread is here, and you have a choice of this bread. That's it. There's not wheat and rye and marbled and white and thick sliced and thin sliced and sandwich and all the other. It's just, no, here's the bread, that's it. Well, we wouldn't like that. Cars all come in red. Why would you need a different color? I mean, that's the best color anyway, so everybody just has red. It makes it easier when you, you know, accidentally bump each other. It's just a little transfer of red. It would work that way, right? No, no. We want a whole lot of things. We want a different color from everybody else, a different style. And all of them are different. And so we're not happy with just saying, okay, what you have is fine. My want seems to get away from me. And so what does he mean here? I shall not want. Because that seems to be a pretty big demand. Well, I think he's saying I choose not to want. Because if you just let it go, there's a lot of want out there. And there's a lot of things out there and I'm going to see it, but I'm going to choose not to want. And so that sometimes is a very hard choice. Our determination is, I will not want because I'm going to trust in God to take care of me. I'm going to trust in Him to do the things necessary. And part of this is also, I'm not going to 
be in want or I'm not going to be in need. So I'm not going to worry about some of those things. I'm not going to worry about starving or I'm not going to worry about freezing. Not that you have to worry about that in Arizona, but some places. And so I'm not going to worry about want because God will take care of me. And there will be opportunities around me. And there's places where you can work and there's things that you're able to do. It's not that you will be taken care of if you don't work. But, you know, there are times when you have enough health to be able to work and enough opportunities to be able to work. And so he's providing in those ways by providing health and providing opportunities. And my want is filled by him. But this is still a little bit confusing when you think about it. Why does want come when there's no need? I mean, if you don't need anything, why do you still want something? And I think sometimes we mix need and want and we say, well, it's a need. Well, eh, it's a want, really. I mean, it's you don't have to have it. Nobody's going to die, but, you know, it would be nice. Why would we want things like that? Why would we want things that are bad for us? Well, sometimes it might be fun. You know, sometimes it's a little danger. Dangerous is a good thing to some people. (laughs) A little concerning to others. It might taste good. Wonder what that would be like. And so we want. We want more dessert, right? It tastes good, and you can get enough, but it kind of becomes a habit. Have you ever gone to a movie, and you you have to get the popcorn, right? I mean, the movie's not good without the popcorn, and you look down at your bucket of popcorn, and it's a bucket of popcorn. I mean, you're only there for an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and there's a giant bucket. And, of course, you buy the one with the refill. Because how could you sit through part of the movie and not eat even though you're not hungry? So why would you eat if you're not hungry? But somehow you look down and the bucket is empty and you wonder who ate all your popcorn. (laughs) Weren't even conscious of the popcorn going in. But somehow the popcorn's gone and you're like, okay, I need another bucket, right? No, that's just want. And I think sometimes it gets away from us like that and it's just more habit or something that you do and you probably have things that are just habit. I always eat when I... And you can fill in the rest. So we need things and we eat when we're not hungry at all, but you just feel like eating something. And the reason mainly is because it tastes good. We always need more money. doesn't matter how much we have. We need more because it makes us feel better. We can buy the things we need. No. It's really the things we want is what we're going to buy. And so we need more money to do that. We sometimes want the wrong person. Because we want what somebody else has. We want somebody else to be our 
friend or somebody else to be our partner or somebody else and the world gets to be in such a mess because we want people that maybe we shouldn't have. And, and it gets all messed up when we start saying, no, but I want them anyway. I need them anyway and I'll do whatever it takes to get there whether it's a divorce or whether it's doing something that's just completely wrong and against God, we decide, no, I want that. And so we are controlled by our want. Is want a sin? I'm going to say no. Obsession is. Jealousy is. Envy is, coveting is, all of those things become sins because we want what somebody else has. But I don't think want is a sin in itself. So why do we have want? Why did that get in us somehow? Is it, you know, Satan produced want? No, I think it's God created. God made us to want because we are able to want good and to want God, and to go after something that's important, and to reach for something that is going to help other people. It's good when you want your kids or want your spouse, and those people are important to you. It's a powerful thing when we want to do good, when we want to bless somebody else, when we want to be around them, and when we want to please somebody else and do what's best for them. We call that love. And that seems to be in the nature and character of God. Does God want? Well, I think so. He has expectations. He has things that He wants from us. Things that He would like to see happen. They're not evil, but they're going to be good. And so I think want is the, the thing that can be used for good or it can be used for evil. And so He leads us is the next part of this. He leads us. He's, he's the shepherd and we will not want because He leads us in His own path. He has a much better path than where we would go. And so He leads us down His path and His path has green pastures and His path has still waters. It's really hard to break if, to drink if the stream is rushing and apparently sheep don't like that. But He leads and we follow. And we have to follow in order to get the benefit of the shepherd. We allow Him to do things His way and we're going to do it His way because He's the one who said that. He's the one who does those things. It's different than most of the other advice we get. Because most of the other advice is about us and about what we would want, and about getting what we want. It's about our rights. It's about what we can get for ourselves. It's about how to make ourselves happy. Could you sue God if you don't get what you want? I don't think you're going to get very far, no matter what happens. And so He leads, and we follow. But we give up our rights. We give up. Our will. We give up our sense of direction for His leading and for His guidance. And then it says, He restores my soul. And so He leads us back to us. He leads us back to be the people we were intended to be, to be the people that we were supposed to be in the beginning and that somehow we got 
sidetracked. A lot of times we keep fighting to be somebody that we're not. We want to be someone else. We want to be more famous or we want to have more money or we want to be the movie star. We want to be powerful. And so we'll try to act, you know, not like us because we're kind of plain and boring, but we want to act like somebody who would get all the attention. God says, that's not where I'm leading you. And so he leads us into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we can have a relationship with him. Just to go for ourselves and to look at ourselves, I think we get the wrong idea. To become what the wrong person wants is what happens a lot of times. And sometimes it's only about performance. If you can do this for me, that would be great. And you can do this for me. And so we become by filling their wants. And well, I'll get you to do something else for me. And we lose it all. And so what do you get if you have this shepherd? Well, I think one of the best things is he restores our soul so that we're not chasing want anymore. He leads us to his path, his direction. But we have to overcome our want. We have to have control of it. Because if you can't say no to the things that you want, it's going to be really hard for you to be able to follow God. That's one of the hardest things is to shut down what I want to have. And we can have peace for the first time in our life. We don't have to be perfect because after all, He forgives. We don't have to be any more than He intended us to be. We don't have to impress anyone We don't have to be angry because He's right where He wants us to be. That's where we are. We don't have to perform. We just need to be like Him and just be us. Wouldn't that be nice if you didn't have to fill everybody else's expectations and you could just find peace? And I think Jesus is the one who does that for us. Actually, Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Look at Matthew 11 and verse 28 with me. We're just going to look at a few passages that talk about Jesus and this idea of being our shepherd and taking away our want. And so Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so he is the good shepherd. He is the one that we are able to follow. He is the one that says, you know, you come after me and I will give you rest. What a great thing to realize that we could have this kind of rest. And he says, I'll just give it to you if you take on these things. And so there's an order to life. And here's what we're trying to do. He says, we labor and we fight trying to fulfill our own destiny and we can't ever quite get there. We can't ever quite make it to what we think we were intended or think we deserve. But he says, I'll give you rest. Rest on the inside, not just rest on the outside, but rest on the inside. He says, I want you to be like me. There's a yoke and there's a burden. And you do have to carry some things. There is a way of doing some things. And you learn from Jesus' way of life. You find that the angry and the defiant don't get peace. Why not? 
I mean, they're working so hard for it. And if you can just beat up everybody around you, then you have peace, right? I don't think so. There's really going to be somebody else every single time who's going to challenge you. And so I'm not sure you're going to get peace that way. You can't get peace from a fight, even if you win. You might get more peace if you lose, because then you know better than to do that again. But he says you're going to find rest for your soul because he restores our soul. That's what the shepherd does. And those passages seem very, very similar. Sometimes we think we would rather steal it, right? We'd rather find a way to steal a smile than find real joy. Let's pay somebody to smile. Because after all, then we know that they'll smile rather than making someone smile. Well, you can't buy a smile and you can't buy peace either. No matter how many alarms you have or how many privileges you have or how much influence or power you have over someone, they might smile and they might be pleasant to you until you're out the door. But to get the real peace, to get the real genuine smile that somebody cares is a whole different thing. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks specifically about being the shepherd. So in John 10, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. And so the shepherd comes in, and when he comes in, he comes in by the door of the sheep. He's not trying to con anybody. He's not trying to get any advantage. He comes in, and there's a legitimate door and so he's going to walk. He's not crawling in a window. He's going to come in and he's going to do something with the sheep, provide for the sheep. And so he isn't trying to sneak in like the thief is. He's trying to come in by a different way. He's not trying to con us out of things. Do you trust telemarketers? I know, odd question right in the middle of all this. Just thought I'd take a poll. How long does it take you to hang up when they offer you the vacation? I mean, click. Right, we've got a free vacation. You can go for 145 days to Hawaii and we'll pay for everything. And it's like, I don't believe this. It's just not real. Why would we not be excited about that? You've run the clearinghouse sweepstakes. It's a hundred million dollars. Yeah, right. You won the lottery. Didn't buy a ticket, but somehow you won the lottery. Send us five dollars and you'll... There's all kinds of scams going on in our world, isn't there? And we see them all the time. We see them everywhere. And you can always tell if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true because it's not. 
And they're always trying to go in by another way. And I think that's what he's trying to say here about this sheepfold, is people are trying to go in by another way. Have I ever got a deal for you? You almost don't want to answer the phone anymore because, man, there are so many great deals. We could have such great happiness if you just answer every telemarketer's question. Right? It sounds like it. But we know better. We know it doesn't get us to where we want to be and we know they have no clue who we are and no clue what we need and no interest in us they're just trying to get what they want don't be deceived by so many free things in life don't follow a stranger you don't know him don't trust him and so the description of the shepherd is completely different Different. The gatekeeper opens to him. He has a right to be there. They're his sheep. He's paid for them. He's paid the price for those sheep. The sheep hear his voice and they know him because they've heard that voice every single day. He has been with them. He has stayed with them. He is always with them. And they understand that he is the one who will be there. He knows the name of every single one of them. He knows who they are. He knows their identity. He goes before them. He leads his sheep out and they all follow him because they know his voice. They know it because it's familiar. And then he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Because he would protect them against anything, no matter where they are, no matter what happens. And you see people like this. You see Jesus doing this. It's what Jesus is going to do for us. He lays down His life for the sheep. And so we are able to have the benefit of salvation because He paid the price for our sin. And He earned the right to be the Good Shepherd. To show us where to go. To show us the way to go. You see Paul finding this in his life. He had been such an angry person. Being able to control the world because after all he was doing it for God and the Jews and everyone that wasn't doing what he thought they should do, he was going to put in prison or persecute. And later in his life he writes, I found the secret to knowing everything and to being able to live with everything, to having abundance and to having nothing. And the secret is, I've got a shepherd. And I can do all things through Him. And He can do all things with me. And so in Philippians 4, that's what His conclusion is. Don't demand more than God gives. But learn to follow what God has for us. And I think sometimes we're missing out on so much by not following everything God has. Well, it sounds like it's going to be perfect, doesn't it? Everything's great. We've got a good shepherd. He's going to lead us into good places and it's going to be a good time and everything's going to work. Yeah, I always have to spoil it, don't I? There's this guy named Job who was the richest man in all the East. More camels, more oxen, more children, more money, more wealth, more land than anybody else in the whole world. And then Satan goes and talks to God and God asks him, have you seen Job? And sure enough, I've seen Job and he's only good because you bless him. Well, of course, 
Isn't that why we are here? We want a blessing. And if God will bless us, we'll keep coming. And if God doesn't bless us, we're not so sure we believe in God anymore, right? When you look at the story of Job, everything is taken away from him. Satan is allowed to go in and take absolutely everything away. And he takes it away all at the same time, so it is this huge disaster in his life. He leaves his wife, who may not be a good thing. But she's there, and he has three bad friends. Well, great. You took away all my kids, you took away all the good thing, and then I'm left with people who frustrate me. And that's where he finds himself. So Job he has all of this disaster in his life. And so Job rose and he tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell on the ground and he worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job has done an has had an incredible life because God did bless him and God did give him all these things and he did worship God and he was so devout for God and now it's all gone. Not because God did it, but because God allowed Satan to do it and so Satan did it. Please don't ever confuse that, that God is doing something to you. Absolutely not. But there may be situations like this and Job's response is... The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He accepts whatever God gives. Is that peace? No. That's not peace. The guy's in agony. How can that be peace? That's not peace at all. But when you have that much disaster in your life, it's probably the closest you're ever going to get to it. Because peace is not possible right then. And when you start looking at that and start looking at Job, I'm not sure we can be at peace with Satan attacking. And when he decides to come in and destroy everything in our life, can you have peace? Boy, that's really hard. But Job gets to the point where he says, I accept whatever God gives. And that allows me not to worry about any of the rest of it. He doesn't have to fight for his fortune. It all comes from God. And so we try not to fight for our own fortune, but let it come from God. Let God make your path. Let God find your way. Follow God and all of those things will be added to you. And so when we look at all these different things, it's a way to be able to find peace. But some of you may be in situations looking for peace and peace is not possible. There's just too many things right now and too many things that are wrong and you have to get through it in order to get to the time of peace. And it isn't that God has forsaken you, or it isn't that God is not there. But it's just a matter of the fact that, you know what, we're in the middle of the war, and as much as possible, I'm at peace with God, and I'm at peace with myself. But 
There's sure a lot of fighting going on around me. Finding peace is sometimes the best peace of the moment. Then it won't be easy. And some things are difficult. And I don't mean to make any of the issues or the things that you are facing small. Because they may be huge. And it's going to be very difficult. And we can't always control our situation. And I don't believe Jesus was ever suggesting that, that we would control our situation and that we'll all have peace. And that maybe that's what the guy is promising in church. But you're going to find the best peace you can have. And when you get out the other end of whatever struggle or trial you're facing right now, it's going to be real peace. And it's going to be genuine We can't always control the situation, but we can always be sure of our salvation. We can always be sure of what Jesus gives. And we know that He died on a cross for our sins. We know that if we repent of our sins and come to Jesus, that He forgives. We know that if we're baptized into Him, He makes a covenant and agreement with us so that all of those sins are taken away. We know that He gives us His peace, but His peace that He was talking about is the peace that He has on the way to a cross. And so, yes, you may have that peace that... Everything is right with God. That as far as it concerns you, everything is right as it can be with the world. But there are some difficult things that go on in our world. And it's very hard to find situation peace. But you can't have peace from the shepherd. And many people are able to find peace in knowing that salvation is sure. I may not be able to solve all your problems today. I have a hard time even solving mine. So I think we're just all in this together. But I do know one thing. I do know having a shepherd makes all the difference in the world. And he does so much better if I can get rid of my want and just want him and what he has to give. And maybe today you've been fighting all your life and you're fighting for your rights and fighting for what you can get and fighting for... And maybe you've even forgotten what you're fighting for. But God allows you to have everything you were intended to have and allows you to be everything you were intended to be. If you're still struggling with that, there is a peace in knowing what God gives. If we're able to help with that, we're able to pray with you. If you need to be baptized into Christ, please come while we stand and sing.